Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. So many Americans look to sports as a reprieve from politics and from all the other things going on around the world. And yet it seems that politics has always had a place in sports and always seems to creep in around the edges or completely overwhelm it in some cases. Uh, over the past several years, there's been a number of things uh, and conversations we've been having uh, that involve both politics and sport. And a number of those have been playing out even just in the last uh, couple of days. And joining us to help us break it all down is the co-host of KSL's Unrivaled, Alex Curie. Of course, he's with his tag team partner, Scott Mitchell, every night here on KSL News Radio. Alex, thanks for joining us today. I love how you make us tag team partners, Boyd, and not like actually fighting in the ring. Like sometimes that's what it feels like. Like we're the like we're the ones facing each other down. But uh, uh, you guys make my nights. Uh, we we always have good conversations about your conversations as we're driving along in the car. Well, we have a good time for sure. You, yeah, you do, and you get to do some important things beyond the sports. The analysis and the breakdown is always great, but there's always some really great nuggets in terms of community and society and uh, commentary that uh, that always catch me. And so I want to get your take on a couple of things obviously john gruden stepped down as the las vegas raiders i always have to yeah. practice that las vegas raiders uh yeah. <laughs> head coach uh after reports of uh some foul language some anti-gay language uh, used in emails over the years uh as you look at that uh what, what's your take on what has taken place and where does the league go from here well it's uh, i mean we're on the air last night we have jaron hall every week with us on the show and it's in the middle of our conversation with BYU's quarterback that we get this breaking news bulletin that, that well, John Gruden might be stepping down soon. And then and it happened during the show. It happened during the Monday night football game. And it happened right. during the middle of the jazz preseason game. So it's like all these things are going on. And, and, and then we're getting probably the biggest piece of news. And that's that John Gruden's out. And uh, boy, it's weird. I mean, the, the NFL is, it's massively hypocritical. And it, it I, I hate the, I hate the part where, look, the NFL did the right thing in saying, hey, we got to address this. And John Gruden uh, decided that he didn't want to be a distraction to his team anymore. A lot of coaches make that decision. Fine. The problem is, is that the exact same uh, accusations and probably worse have been going on with the owner of the Washington football team, mm -hmm. Dan Snyder. Yeah. And which is probably where the NFL actually got this information in the first place were right. during the investigation into uh, the Washington football team. 
but they're not going to touch one of their owners. You know what I mean? Like, and, and so what they'll do is they'll go, hey, we're going to stand up for, and, and to do the right thing. And they'll do it when it's convenient, I think, for them. And Roger Goodell, I mean, it's hard because as the commissioner, I think that it, these were personal attacks on him. So he's like, I'm going to let this thing, I'm going to, I'm going to go after this thing on top of the fact that it hit, uh, you know, the New York Times. Yeah. A lot of times if it stays on Sports Center, they can sort of mitigate these things. At some point when it became a bigger story than just the sports world, then uh, I, I think that John Gruden realized, okay, listen, I can't, I can't hide from all this. And the reality was, boy, there were more emails yeah. and it was even worse. And yeah. so, you know, you saying those things is one thing. Uh, trying to hide behind, hey, it happened 10 years ago, which I think a lot of people talk about. That's the way it was like, well, it happened 10 years ago, man. And he wasn't even a coach in the NFL. He was an ESPN analyst. It's like, yeah, but how do you get a locker room that is 75% African-American yeah. and has the, the very first ever uh, openly gay player in the NFL on your team? And these, these are the content of your emails. He knew that that was the problem. Yeah. I just wish the NFL would be consistent across the board in – in, uh, in in trying to in trying to go after guys, yeah. most I mean it should the most the person that should be the most responsible should be one of these owners. It should be the owner, yeah. From the top down, I mean, and Dan Snyder's been a problem for a long time, but you know, for this to be uh, just a John Gruden problem, unfortunately for the NFL, this is a, this is probably the case in a lot of locker rooms, and there just aren't emails that uh, that, that that sort of point to it. Yeah, and I think a lot of, uh, I'm sure there are a lot of players, coaches uh, that are uh, looking through their emails and uh, some of the things that they've put out for sure. uh, to, to be checking that. And I, I, I really appreciate the fact, Alex, that you, you brought up the, that there is this ever-shifting uh, measurement or standard within the NFL in particular, whether it's an owner, whether it's a coach, or whether it's a player. Uh, and depending on what you know the infraction was or the violation was, uh, it seems to be all over the map, uh, usually based on who's popular, whose jerseys right. are selling, or whose teams are winning. <laughs> yeah. Um, which often prevents us from having the, the real conversation about the real issue there. Well, uh, and in this case, I mean, Roger Goodell makes about $50 million a year as the commissioner of the NFL. Just like let that number sink in. Like he gets paid $10 million more than the best players in the NFL get paid per year. And the person who pays him are the owners, right? Yeah. His 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 uh, paycheck is paid for by guys like Dan Snyder, by the rest of the of the league who are the owners, and so you know it's it's kind of a classical like, well, I'm not going to indict my you know my boss on this, right? Thing. And 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 you know I I don't think any of us if we were faced with the same type of uh, repercussion would do that. Just that the NFL is such a money machine that that it's just it's interesting because they they weather things like this and they'll go, look, we can continue to print money. Even though John Gruden was one of the biggest tune-ins, that's right. what people wanted to see was the entertainment factor. Half the game, the cameras on John Gruden's John face. Gruden. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, so you're, you're you're kind of going. I mean, look, this is the, where are we going with this thing here? And the NFL decided, look, uh, entertainment is not as important about doing than doing the right thing. And then you go, yeah, right, NFL. <laughs> like in the end, I don't know if that's really the decision or if they just got pushed into it didn't want to face the backlash if they didn't do anything about it yeah all right let's shift topics now just a little bit let's go over to the nba who has their own uh, set of issues on a wide range of things uh but let's talk about the uh the vaccine we we have found out today that uh the brooklyn nets uh are going to bench uh kyrie irving who is not vaccinated they uh, said of course that's his choice uh, but he would miss at least Half the games, at least half, all those in uh, New York, in New York, New Jersey, uh, he yeah. wouldn't hit. And they're saying we don't want to. We don't want a part-time player. 
Yeah, and, I, and Sean Marks, their general manager, is in like the weirdest position ever because I think anybody listening would go, hey, we're allowed to make our own decisions, and that's absolutely correct. And the repercussion of this is going to be, if he's not going to be uh, vaccinated, then it's a, then, then the team's in a weird spot. How are they going to travel him half the time? I mean, really? I mean, how are they going to how are they going to have him practice half the time? Really? And and there, there's no such version of that. And so you know, uh, if, if there are people calling for the NBA to be, uh, I can't believe they're mandating this, or New York is mandating this, or you know, the reality is is that they said that's fine if you don't want to if you don't want to participate at this level, we'll try to figure out a way for you to do it. And in the end, the math didn't add up, and they just had yeah. to figure out how to just say, nope, can't do it. And they're in a weird spot, too. I mean, yeah. Kyrie Irving, has always, he's always gone his own road. Fine. Right. You know what I mean? And if that road includes him standing for a principle that is going to make him feel like uh, he's, you know, that he's even going to give up that massive paycheck and, and the possibility of making his team a, a, a contender in the East. And pot, I mean, they're, they're one of the, yeah. the top picks of the entire league to win this whole thing. And he's one of the top players on that team. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, it's going to be a massive distraction. The players are going to act like it's not, but it is. It will and, be. And yeah. And, and, and if that's, if that's a, a hill he's willing to die on, so to speak, then, uh, then I'm fine with it. Yeah. Like, I mean, just do it and then don't t- take the paycheck. But I think a lot of people, I think a lot of guys will go, yeah, you won't let me play. How dare you? It's like, no, these are the rules. And, and if they, yeah. if they're not going to do it and if he feels that passionately about it, which he does, and he's the kind of guy that would say, I'm fine. I'm not going to take the I'm picture. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating stuff. I want to sneak in one last question with you, Alex, before I cut you loose. Uh, because it does seem, as we've gone through the last couple of years anyway, that the politics in sports continue to bubble up a lot. And I know you're a uh, also a uh, student of history within the sport. Uh, and so as you look back over time, uh, I'm starting to wonder, you know, is it really more than it's ever been? You know, you had Muhammad Ali during <clears throat> Vietnam. You've had you know, different things at the Olympic games mm-hmm. and, and so on. Or is it just that we're consuming more uh, and we have more information from more places? Is the state of politics and sports any different now than it's, than it's been over the years? No, it's, it's a hundred percent of the information uh, that we're, that we're able to get, not just for the information we're able to get, but the information that people are able to put out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about uh, a, a one word tweet, not even one word. When Donovan Mitchell puts those eyeballs up on Twitter, right? <laughs> Yeah. Just the just the open eye eyeballs. That's a story. Yeah. I don't know what. No one knows what it is. Like half the time, you know. But like, <laughs> but like, imagine trying to explain to nineteen sixty four sports consumer. Yeah, what we'll do is we'll look at these computers in our hands, and they'll just be a picture of cartoon eyes, and that will send us <laughs> through the roof. Uh, you know, that will be enough information for us to know exactly what he's saying. You know, and 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 it's just weird because we have all this information. We're trying to digest all this information. I mean, we're, we're digging up uh, emails from, from 10, 12 years ago yeah. and, and dissecting the heck out of those today. So, yeah. uh, and, they're making, and they're making decisions on policy today inside sports. And so uh, it, it's the same. controversy is always controversy. And these problems are always problems. Uh, being offensive is, is uh, you know, always offensive. Or our, toler- our, our level of being able to tolerate it is one thing. Our level of being able to actually you know, kind of run with it and yeah. just kind of go, am I going to just be okay with what I heard said? And ca- does it take away from my sports experience? And there's so many people, Boyd, that go, uh, just separate them all. I'd rather just watch the game. Yeah, It's more complicated than that. You know, when you see these players in the field and you go, it, you know, you have to make a decision now based on 
on who these people are as as, uh, as characters sometimes, yeah, and and that's, right. and that's hard to do when you have twenty two people on a football field and you have to kind of decide what each of them have said on their own personal social media. Accounts. Yeah, that's right. And who and who gets a pass uh, just because they can throw or catch one? Exactly, <laughs> it's, uh, exactly. It's easy to cut one. a guy if he doesn't produce, and yeah. it's uh, it's tough. It's tougher to to cut a guy when they when they're you know. When there's domestic abuse involved and we kind of go, yeah, but he's a good running back. And you yeah. go, what are we talking about here? Exactly. What is important here? Yeah. Great insight as always. Alex Curie, co-host of KSL's Unrivaled right here on KSL News Radio. Alex, always appreciate your perspective. Thanks, Thanks for joining us. All right. We're going to step aside for a quick commercial break. We'll round out hour number one when we come back. Stay with us. More to come on Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.